0: A popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant, or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong, and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360 degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues, as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. So, Will, welcome to the Masterclass series. I can't believe it's taken us so long to get you here.
1: I know, and I'm very honoured to finally be interviewed by you, because usually it's the other way around.
0: Quite right. (laughs) I'm looking forward to um, sending you a few curveballs during this conversation yeah, as well. I, I appreciate it. spent a lot it. of time actually researching what <laughs> I'm going to ask you. Um, oh, on. But no, on a, on a serious note, you know, um, being a masterclass, this, um, these, this episode, as indeed all the masterclass episodes, are about uh, providing our students with a chance to talk about their research and what they've done and why they've done what they've done. And um, I would like to ask you this first question, which is, you know, of all the topics you were able to choose uh, for your final project, why did you choose this topic of community of
1: practice? I guess at the time, one of the, one of the things I kept asking myself was what was the underlying problem I was trying to solve? And I guess to cast our minds back to... I think it was 2018, 2019, it was the start of COVID. And, um, you know, we were all experiencing lockdowns and feeling a sense of isolation and um, normality had just been completely disrupted. All of a sudden we're working from home. And I thought, okay, so if we're all becoming more and more siloed in the organization at Consalia um, how, can, how can I be brilliant at communicating? One within Consilio itself with my colleagues and the other with our customers. And But I, I didn't want to just address the notion of communication. I felt like it went far deeper than just communication um, and so it was really, I spent a lot, a long time kind of reading around this subject. And it brought me to uh, start thinking about the notion of, well, it's a community, isn't it? It's a community of practice. And it's actually uh, one of our, um, well, he was my mentor at the time, uh, but I know he's incredibly close to you as well, uh, was Peter Critton. And Peter Critton, is passionate around the notion of uh, the masters in general and he was he always took an interest in what i was researching and how was i was applying it my research at work and when i was talking to him about i'm exploring this notion of community of practice i didn't realize that he was um, one of the thought leaders on it and you know it aligned very much to what his passion is and Together we, we thought, God, we have a brilliant opportunity in my position at Consalia, but also the very nature of what Consalia does to really start constructing what a community or practice could look like for uh, Consalia and the sales profession as a whole. Um, so that that really did pique my interest, but there, it, I felt like there was a lot of diverging factors That were at play that also made it quite important for me personally Mm -hmm. um, as well and just um, because it was community of practice that I was interested in Um, but I also wanted to explore the notion of belonging and how does belonging affect uh, a community of practice and there was no There was no part of me that, you know, when it came to that final project time, I thought, ah, this is my project title. It was really doing my literature review, reading around the subject a lot. I kind of wanted to find my niche to operate in. Um, So I I looked at the notion of belonging, how that affected um, community or practices as a whole. And I felt belonging was really important. Um, and we can, I'm sure we'll go further into it, mm-hmm. but um, I felt at the time when, you know, as I said, people were isolated, uh, people were disconnected, um, working from home during the pandemic, um, that belonging was more important than ever.
0: Yeah, so it, it's interesting sort of reading over your master's dissertation Again, after a period of time. And yeah. I just wonder whether the uh, results of your research would be different now to them because of the context of the um, environment that you've referred to just now has sort of changed a lot. Yeah, um,
1: I think to a degree it would have changed. Um, I think, you know, obviously, as we all know, life has moved on. Um, You know, people, even during COVID, there was that explosion of technology that kind of enabled people to stay better connected. It wasn't like that in the first six months, you know, whilst I was doing my my research. Um, I feel if you were to apply the same um, kind of question to today's environment, I think... think I think we would still try and find better ways of communicating mm-hmm. and maybe it's, the need for it is slightly different um, than it was back then, but I still think it, it remains as relevant now than it ever did. Um, I mean, to give you a bit of context around you know, what we do, I know you're the CEO, so this sounds a bit weird, but maybe for the audience. You know, as a sales business school, we work with so many employers, uh, so many sales leaders and undergraduate apprenticeships, um, all specializing in sales. Now, our team of project directors, for example, are the face of Consalia. They are teaching them the frameworks, the knowledge, the the, um, toolkits to enable them to succeed in this world. They are at the cold face of understanding the challenges that our customers are going through. Now, for me, in my role as head of sales, I am so keen to understand what our customers are going through. Like every salesperson out there in B2B sales, they want to understand what their customers are going through so that we can provide value in the solutions that we suggest. You know, everyone's got no time so the engagements that we have with our customers have to be value added and so if we can provide a in you know solutions based on insight through what our students are going through then that that is a great opportunity and i think um i think you know that's just something that we can we can continue to to strive for Within Consalia, so
0: so just I mean just to you know perhaps for the listener to 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 kind of um, have some sort of context. So so Consalia has a core team of people that are on its uh, you know on its payroll and uh, salaried employees, both based in the UK as well as in in Australia. But we also have these program tutors, which are not necessarily on the core team, but they're people that work extremely closely, you know, with our students. Yeah. so when we I guess one of the things that, that, that you went through is defining, you know, as far as your research is concerned and, and consalia, you know, who is our community. Yeah. And, and this is a group of people that aren't necessarily part of the core team, but they're terribly important for what we do. Yeah and wanting to embrace them in this research program that you've, you've done.
1: Exactly, so you, you kind of, yeah, you've raised a really good point, is how a, communi- how a community of practice can be deployed almost. And I think most organizations in itself, they are communities, they're communities of, of practice because you have everyone operating within that social network within the organization and sharing knowledge, um, communicating, collaborating with one another. Now, the, uh, the other kind of angle is sharing, creating a community of practice for the sales community as a mm-hmm. whole. Uh, so going back to your previous question, I think when I initially sought to do my project, I was very much focused all around how we can advanced um, the idea of sharing knowledge internally within Consalia now how I see a shift or you know if I was to apply the same project now I think um, I think it would be around how can we elevate cells as a whole you know mm-hmm. trying to address the greater okay. we how do we how do we? How can we create a community for sales leaders, sales practitioners, mm-hmm. um, to advance this notion of sales professionalism? You know, this is something that we care deeply around. That's our vision, and we actually have a brilliant platform mm-hmm. that we can
0: we can do it. Absolutely. So, so uh, I think we've sp- we've now spoken about um, you know, some of the context. So, um, and it would be. Um, interesting, perhaps, if you could define what is a community of practice? Yeah,
1: and I think, yeah, maybe we should all start it with that question, because so far people might be thinking, well, what, what on earth is it? Um, so a com- community of practice is was a term that uh, a chap called Etienne Wenger uh, came up with uh, uh, through his research with... Uh, a lady called Jean Lave, I can never pronounce these academic surnames, but in the nineties, and it was, it was essentially trying to. They were exploring how people learn, and then how people can make uh, implicit no- knowledge explicit, uh, and then what is, what is the meaning behind it, uh, what does that give other people? Um, but in a in a nutshell, a, a community of practice. Is a group of people who share a common interest or profession and come together to learn, collaborate, and share knowledge and experiences. And it's a way to foster ongoing learning and development and pr- promotes collaboration um, and build a supported network. Mm. Um, so that's that's it in a uh, nutshell. It's I'm a glad, meaty subject. It,
0: well, it is, and I, I think that. I um, must admit, when, when you sort of talk about communities of practice, you've got communities and practice. Those are the two key words, aren't yeah. they? So the practice element is is about the learning, and the community is about the people that would engage in the learning.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole notion and what makes a community of practice work is the participatory nature of it. Yeah. Okay, so without people communicating, you're not going to have a community of practice it will have a label perhaps but it won't exist because it's not being participated within so communities just like any business or like any function it requires that social network to um, uh, the social construct whereby people want to participate in that and to share things with that Um, and it you know it can, like, like the definition suggests, it can be. And you can look at it in three different lenses. It can be um, at an organisational level. It could be at a team's level. It could just be how um, how you operate across different functions within a within an organisation, say. Um, So there might be really small community of practices where there's only two or three people in an organization, but you share the same passion, um, and that results in you communicating with one another because you share that passion. Um, So yeah, you can look at a community of practice through different lenses, um, and I think that's exciting as
0: well. Why do you think it's so important and i I know that uh, when you started your research project you you sort of related it very much you know we're in the pandemic and yeah it was obvious but why 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 do you think this is such an important topic for organizations to kind of become familiar with and to uh, embrace
1: yeah oh we we could spend a lot a lot of time and there's a lot of Evidence that maybe I'll touch upon to say why organisations should really nurture this. Um, from a personal point of view, um, whilst I was doing the masters, I was I felt so fulfilled. I felt as if I was um, really like I was just loving the learning, loving the the um, the development that was giving me. Um, I am now a big advocate, and I know a lot of our students are still, of lifetime learning. You know, we talk in the masters around having a growth mindset. For me, that was that was such a, it, it, it takes, um, it's such a small part of the masters in module two, but it has had, such a profound impact on the way I view learning and the way I therefore view um, how I conduct my professional practice. And being, you know, advocating this kind of lifetime learning attitude, I want to be part of a organization that also embraces learning. And of course, we do with sales business school, but how we apply that within our roles, how we ensure we are continually progressing, even if we're not doing a master's, how can we how can we learn? how can we continuously learn in order to develop that's what so excites me. and I think so many of our students feel like that as well. Um, and we have uh, students like Reiner who you know, and and David Norris, who is on my cohort, who, um, you know, they they they're, they've reached a point in their careers where you can sort of say, you know, they're operating at a very senior level. They're still doing the masters. These guys are advocates of lifetime learning. It's the only way we can progress. Um, so, yeah, I don't.
0: know. Did I answer your you question? Part of it, you've talked about it from a personal level but i don't know whether you were going to go on to talk about it from an organizational level yeah you know are there any are there any is there any evidence from your research that kind of points to the reasons why companies should embrace and foster the sense of community to practice
1: yes well i will come on to that um so yeah it is really important so there's from a, from a really sort of, from a softer angle as opposed to the, well, what does it mean to have a greater sense of learning, like knowledge and understanding in, in a given world? There's that angle as well. But I'll start with the soft, softer angle. Being part of a community of practice, there's a huge amount of evidence to suggest that it is a real motivator. You know, When people feel like they belong, They are working towards a purpose. They're working towards, they are developing a a greater sense of identity of themselves in that role, which is a motivating factor. The counter-argument of that um, is that nowadays, and I've read somewhere, and please don't quote me on this if you're listening to to the podcast. Um, I don't have a, to hand but something like 55% of people feel like they don't belong in their organizations and that leads to people wanting to leave it makes them demotivated they are not contributing to their organizations in the way that perhaps their you know management leadership team want them to so is, there, is there, it is it from that sense from a motivational sense it's really important um from a identity sense, you know, being part of something is really important, especially I think for someone like myself who uh, is, you know, developing, I hope in, you know, developing in, in my own career, forming an identity around it is really important as well because how you perceive yourself and how other people perceive you is hugely important, Mm. Um, especially when it comes to sales leadership, which is what the masters was all about. So developing that sense of identity. And then the other thing, which I think we just touched upon is around community, uh, sorry, communication. And um, I am sure it's not just Consalia, but it's every single organization Everyone sits on top of implicit knowledge. They think, "Oh, I know this. That means everyone else should know it." Um, and rarely is that the case. And so, how do you how do you um, develop these channels, these networks, these um, uh, yeah, the, 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 this way of being where communication becomes king? You know, it doesn't. You might disagree with what's being communicated, but or you might agree with it. But the worst thing is, is, is if it is stored implicitly in people, um, because the, because the way the world is changing so much, because the way um, industries are rapidly advancing, you need. There needs to be a, a level of. Um, Agility that companies need to respond to this ever changing world, and communication is key for that. You need to have agile teams. Would you say that.
0: that communication is the prerequisite for building a community of practice, or do you think a community of practice will lead to communication? I think they complement
1: each other. know you there are many organizations that or you know operating within any organizations you might have sub teams that are communicating with with one another on a regular basis it might not be labeled as a community of practice but in fact it is it is because people are participating in that conversation um i think i think as long as people come together in order to solve a problem, in order to uh, work towards a vision, in order to, um, yeah, uh, find a solution, you know, you are developing a community of practice. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that's large or small, you know, you could argue that for Consalia, trying to, um, trying to, um, you know, our vision is to help make sales the world's most sought-after profession. Now, we can't do that alone. Mm-hmm. We need other people to to buy into that vision, and we need to be talking as a community mm-hmm. together in order to how do we make that happen?
0: I was um, rather <clears throat> rather surprised at some of your research findings because, of course, you know, when you start to talk about belonging and you start to talk about communication. Mm. Um, you know, part of your journey was actually looking at how, how well Consalia does it. Yeah. And um, I wonder if you could share what your research findings are um, as far as, you know, where people felt on the spectrum of belonging and where people felt on the spectrum of being included.
1: Yeah, that, that part of research was really, I didn't know what to expect. Because in my role, um, you know, I don't need to. I, I don't kind of have that much crossover with different teams. Um, but as part of my research, I felt the need to interview everyone within mm. Consalio. and we're we're only a small business, so it kind of uh, was manageable for the masters. Um, and it really varied quite a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. You had
1: some, some of my research findings where people were completely bought in to, um, to, to Consalia, to the, what we stand for and they were highly kind of engaged with what we're, we're doing. And then on the other side of the spectrum, um, you had some, so, some of those people that were completely disengaged um and what was what was interesting was the stark um uh, sort of opposites as it were of those that felt really engaged were participating essentially they were really trying to um move the marker to you know achieve what consalia's vision and goals are and then at the bottom of the spectrum, you had those that um, yeah that weren't engaged at all and and I'm just going to read out some of these uh words that kind of came out um through the research, so people at the the kind of back end of the spectrum felt um isolated, felt undervalued, felt alone felt lonely, felt fear, uh, detached, confused, uh, disempowered, separated, um, so really kind of negative connotations. On the positive side, the, those that were kind of at the top end were saying things like they felt a real camaraderie, a real, um, they felt inspired, they felt purpose, purpose-led, uh, they felt respected, They were accepted, um, and so I think, you know, when you look at the the words that people use to describe um, how they felt, it kind of hits home that there's a real um, responsibility, I think, to as a, at a human level, to. <coughs> To really keep
0: people engaged um, yeah. i mean the the um you know I, I think sort of given the fact that we're like you said earlier on uh, a sort of a reasonably small business not a large business um were you surprised that they were still in a company the size we we are um that there was such polar opposites Um. Well, yeah, because if
1: I felt that, then I don't think I would stick around. Yeah. Um, I felt, yeah, I, I felt, it, it was one of those moments in the Masters where we look at Covey, and I struggled with this at the time, um, and you, you look at your circle of influence, and you look at your circle of concern. Now because I interviewed everyone in, in the business, there there were certainly people that I could influence, certainly those that sit within my team, but where it became difficult was when uh, I wasn't, you know, where they were in a different team. Mm. What could I do in my role to address how, the, how they might be feeling? And I felt that was that that was a really tricky one to navigate because, you know, in the masters you look at you know you look at your own values, you look at uh, leadership, you look at um, how you are living your values, and why is that important? At the same time, you got Stephen Covey saying, well, you know, focus on your circle of influence rather than your circle of concern, and it's one of these ones where. Um, I think is you know the, there were certain responses that didn't sit they, that sit within my circle of concern. I couldn't really do anything about it. Um, that doesn't mean to say I want I didn't want to do something. It was just very difficult to mm. to do.
0: So I suppose if you're going to build up a strong community of practice, coming back to what you said earlier about the I, the we, and, and the greater we. That what you are kind of bringing to the fore is the challenge, perhaps, of developing or a community of practice so that it it expands across different departments or different yeah. silos, yeah. and so you move away from a sort of departmental. Community of practice to an uh, organisation one, which is I made something that Peter Critton was incredibly passionate about.
1: He was, and uh, and I, yes, yeah, so I do do want to make that really stark difference. So when I was doing my research, I was looking at it from the organisational development kind of yeah. perspective, um, and kind of what I was alluding to you just now or earlier. Um, the sense of developing a community of practice for the sales profession is something that could certainly sits within my circle of influence so it's interesting like how even if you yeah how how challenging it can be within to do anything od from an od point of view in an organization Mm. you're going to come up with so many different challenges and that's what i felt in in my masters so if I was to do it again, focusing it on the sales profession as a whole, how can we create a community of practice for the sales profession? Um, Sounds like a PhD topic coming <laughs> up, here,
0: Will. <laughs> so um, I think the next cohort is starting quite soon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two kids, two under two,
0: they're not there yet. They're <laughs> Not quite there yet. Yeah. Really um, interesting. So, So what would your, You know, what were your key takeaways from your master's project? What were the key learnings?
1: I think it is having a heightened level of awareness around how you are, your being within an organisation. And the things that you can do within your power to cultivate a sense of value Purpose, respectfulness, um, support, involvement, things, these, these words are
0: so important. These are, these are the words that came from your research, These they? are the words that came from my research. As to what gave people a sense of belonging yeah. to a community? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And by, and by living these sort of um, values, let's say, for want of a better word, um, you are going to create a sense of community, so
0: could you go through the
1: those words again, the key
0: words for building
1: so sharing like what's going on in your world you know it might not it might not be relevant for someone else, but it might be it might strike an idea it, you're you're sharing your knowledge with someone else, just that alone is really important um by sharing you are enabling people to feel valued, you know, why, even you, you, you could relate it to a classroom or you can relate it to grabbing a coffee with someone, you know, someone is sharing something that is meaningful to them and that gives you a sense of feeling valued. Mm-hmm. Um, when you feel valued, it changes your perspective um again that adds to togetherness to support um so you know um understanding what people are going through you know whether it's coming up to the end of the quarter big results to 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 hit um or what's going on in someone's personal life you know if they're going through a lot and i think during covid that was you know, evident throughout. Uh, something that we're really aware of. Um, but having a sense of yeah, having that sense of awareness enables you to support someone better. Um, and and sharing that is. I mean, for me, it all just comes down to to sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that creates a sense of belonging. And then that sense of belonging drives the purpose, the motivation, um, the engagement. And that is, mm-hmm. that's, can you see the link? That is then therefore going to
0: help develop a community. Yeah. Um, OK. Yeah. Can I, can I um, sort of connect some other con- uh, themes around community of practice yeah Are these the, your curveball questions yes yeah, so i think i might it's not really a curveball question but it's a it's a connection between uh, you know the community community of practice sharing knowledge and um social capital yeah so i um came across this ted talk which is all about um it's all about performance actually but the beginning of the TED Talk talked about this bit of research that was conducted by William Muir of Purdue University. It was published in 2015. And it was based on an experiment with chickens. Yeah. <laughs> and what he did was he segregated chickens based on the number of eggs that they produced. So you could say in the sales world, you could segregate your salespeople according to the amount of sales results they produced. And he grouped average egg-laying chickens together, and he um, put the prolific egg-laying chickens together in what he called a super-chicken group. And he kept these chickens in their separate groups for two generations, and he found that the average um, chickens were doing just fine and they were being quite productive and producing eggs. But in the super-chickens group, um, they found that only three survived and that the group had pecked each other to death in the, in, super. In the super group right. and the uh interesting um sort of conclusions from this was the um w- is the connection between um the connection between high performers yeah yeah, and um high performers and normal performers yeah and um this and and, and basically was saying that the social connectedness that you had in the average group of chickens ended up producing much better results than yeah. the super performers were doing and and so i'm thinking about this in the context of communities of practice yeah yeah in the sense of um relating you know we sales is quite an individualistic profession and we tend to uh and it, it, it is it, it is encourage us to be individualistic we have our, our own targets to reach and we're measured on the performance of those targets um and we're looking at this community of practice concept. And I suppose it's more a question or it's a a sort of thing for us to talk about, is that if we were to look at sales teams as being a community of practice, um, does does the way in which you share information, the way in which you learn, the way in which you uh, have a shared purpose, could that supersede the need to um, reward salespeople based on performance, for example? Um, Would you get more out of a community of practitioners, salespeople in sales teams, by focusing on all of the positive aspects of communities of practice that you've identified, rather than encouraging individualistic kind of behavior that could be driven by... You know, sales targets and yeah. and uh, and a culture of fear, yeah. uh, which a lot of sales managers practice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just uh, thinking that there could be some connections uh, between these two trains of thought.
1: I mean, there, there's quite a few things to pick apart in what you've just said, um, <laughs> which is quite funny. But <laughs> to to some extent, I think. So yeah, so operating in sales can be, um, I think you use the words, uh, can be quite a lonely or isolated place because yeah. you, know, you are ultimately trying to achieve a result. Um, yeah. If you don't achieve it, then it's, you fear your job. Um, I mean, the counter um, point to that is sales is actually the most um, sociable of all the roles, because you are having to interact with customers and also um, influence internal stakeholders to kind of deliver for your customers as well. Um, so there's, yes. Yeah, so there's that. That's kind of side of it. The other thing you kind of mentioned was um, how, yeah sales teams um, can reward based on sharing. And um, I think you mentioned something about the kind of the behavior of salespeople. But I think we have this discussion a lot. When you um, compensate sales teams based on results, that influences behavior an awful lot. Um, so I think there is an argument where there needs to be—I mean, this sounds so boring—but there needs to be a balance, right? You need to you need to reward behaviour. People come to sales because it can be lucrative, um, and that's the expectation. But at what cost? You know, you you also need to you need to you need to develop that a construct somehow and I'm not sure if anyone's done it really well, um, where the notion of elevating, not just yourself, but the whole organization um, to, to kind of reach the needs for the market, that's a long-term view on something. That is beyond one quarter or two quarters. That's, you know, you're, look, that's, you're looking at a strategic um, way of working. And so that is where a community or practice should be uh, recognized and nurtured and empowered to do. I mean, Mm. we know that, um, you know, we often talk about the need to be agile at the moment Mm. and to be able to capture the marketplace, especially post COVID, because, you know, we're Mm. facing so many headwinds. So the level of innovation that organizations have to do is profound. Now, how are these organizations going to know how to develop and innovate if they are not tackling what people at the front line are hearing from their customers and their challenges that they're facing? Um, So I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think it both need to be, Recognized, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but yeah, I think I that... know.
0: I know it's a bit of a curve. It was. It was not really a curveball, but I. I think the. You know, I remember. You know, as the CEO of Consalia and going through the pandemic, and I was really, I was really concerned about, um, you know, what it was going to do for the community. You know, the community that we have. Yeah. And I'm <clears throat> very aware that, um, you know, that we had, like most companies, sort of challenges of 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 um, making sure we had that sense of shared purpose. And I think the results of your survey showed that we were not where we needed to have been along that, uh, in, in, in in you know, as, as a business. And if, yeah. if we as a business <coughs> have these problems, it's only going to be multiplied with larger companies and of course since then we've had the great resignation yeah, which is probably symptomatic of companies not being able to create strong communities of practice
1: yeah i mean just a, a few stats to sort of bring this to life um so you, and you mentioned the great resignation um a study by BetterUp found that empl- employees who but a strong sense of uh, belonging, say, um, are three and a half more times ty- likely to stare at their organizations. Um, yeah, so it's, and then also on the notion of innovation, um, a study by Deloitte found that inclusive teams are 80% more likely to, re- to report high innovation um, and two point three times more likely uh, to be high performing. So I think that just you know shows the importance mm. of of yeah how we engage with each other from an internal point of view, but how that will also manifest
0: itself externally as well. So, so looking to the future, well, wh- where where is your where is your community of practice concept going to take you? Where, where, where do you see the potential? Well, I've I dropped a couple of hints. So
1: one of, one of the things that I'm really passionate about doing is launching uh, a community of practice for uh, sales professionals mm-hmm. through Consalia. And I think we're in a fantastic position to do it. Not only because um, with some of our Customers, there is such a huge amount of research that has already been undertaken within them, and how can we then make? How can we offer the platform to make that knowledge more explicit? How can how can we share that as a as a whole? Because I think that's going to be hugely important um, for sales professionals, you know, to to come together to support one another to share. Uh, the challenges that they 're facing, but also have a network of people that might have been through it and can offer insight and uh, innovation from it so i think I think you know that 's something that i 'm really keen to kind of explore and hopefully launch later this year um, I think the the other one that i 'm constantly you know um, sort of I'm keen to refer back to is from that initial, my initial project, which is how can we develop um, from a OD point of view, um, the the channels of communication to inspire innovation. But I do think we're doing well on that already. Mm. It's much better than a few years ago
0: Well, I I remember that one of the things that we tried to set up was sort of using technology to try and foster communication. Yeah. And that was probably a a failed project, project, wasn't it? It didn't get off the ground.
1: It didn't, no. Um, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here. A lot of the times, the way a community or practice has developed is organically. So whilst you might have a vision, And at the time, it was my vision. Create better channels of communicating. And I looked at a tech solution at the time because obviously we were all remote. Um, But that didn't solve all the problems. Uh, You know, it didn't address the core problem. And in hindsight, it probably was the right product at the wrong time. and, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes all that is what's needed is going back to that very simple thing of picking up the phone. Let's meet with someone face to face. Let's like, do it regularly. Um, let something grow organically. And if people want to be part of that,
0: make it accessible.
1: Mm. So,
0: um, so where do you, do you start? Do you start with picking up the phone, or is there a higher order? You know, it, you talked about purpose, for example, yeah, earlier on. Is is that something that that needs to be in place before, so you have a sort of framework or a reason for people coming together?
1: Not necessarily. It it depends on the challenge that you're trying to solve. So, you know, you might find that you're working on a project, for instance, that is trying to, to solve a solution for a customer. Now, you might, for a short period of time, wanna bring uh, different people together and you develop that sense of purpose for coming up with a, a solution for that customer. So, Or it could be a broader challenge, like one of how can we better communicate as an organisation, that was, that was the challenge that I was trying to solve. It was a really, you know, it goes back to your sphere of influence, sphere of concern, and it's, it's how, you know, how much time, um, how, how much, yeah, how, it's not time is a factor, but it's, it, it creates, you know, you need to. Um, be incredibly proactive, very engaged. It needs to be, you know, a priority number one. Um, and I think, so knowing, you know, m- perhaps starting small and then growing it outwards is better than starting at a huge scale and then kind of right. f- focusing. Very upwards, good. I think. And it, it, it's, it's interesting how other organizations are becoming more explicit around this notion of community or practice. Yeah. So it's not just me that harps on about it. No. Um, you know, lots of lots of organizations are embracing the theory of it and, and seeing how important it is. Um, Salesforce is doing it. So I think they've got a very engaged platform um, to create that sense of community. Um, it's called the Sales Enablement Society. Um, and that's a group that they use internally um, to provide a forum for sales reps to share best practice. HubSpot use one, SAP use one, Oracle use one. So a lot of the SaaS, you know, based companies is, are using them as a business, as a sales business school. You know, we sit on all that knowledge. Let's make it explicit. So mm. I think you know we've got to develop one. Um, then. As an industry, let's
0: let's bring people together. But well, I can see some of the things we're doing with the uh, podcasts that we're running now. Yeah, um, yeah. is is and, uh, and particularly the um, ask me anything where we're trying to draw people in. That I can is, see that. I can see that some of the things that we're doing now, hopefully, yeah. is going to help.
1: And it takes. So this is yeah. This is what I wanted to say. It takes time. You know. Yeah. You, you go back to this notion of momentum. It's like you the podcast the amas these are people participating is we haven't labeled this a community but we're seeing people participating we're seeing people taking part in it coming back time and time again um you know they're slowly this identity is being formed of being part of something what is it like we we don't know yet but i i think it's uh I think it's exciting and I think um, from what we've seen with podcasts, with, with the masterclass, with, um, with the AMA sessions, um, is that people are wanting to connect and it doesn't necessarily mean they want to connect internally within their organizations, they want to connect with other sales professionals and that is something uh, that is incredibly exciting.
0: Great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't yet covered? Nope, I think that's it. So, well, thank you very much, Will, um, for you know, your research or sharing your research and sharing your findings. And uh, I'm looking forward to how the future is going to develop yeah, uh, around the concepts you've been speaking about. Yeah, and perhaps uh, we should try another version of the super chickens. Well, I and chickens approach. I think who knows where that (laughs) might take us. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Well, thank you. Thank you. Well. Okay. Bye. Bye.